You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about personalization at scale, strategies and ways to ensure you're not losing velocity or sacrificing the impact of personalization in your communications, whether that be prospecting or anything that requires a cadence-based approach. To help us, we have with us Sarah Hicks, SCR Manager at Predictable Revenue and host of the Predictable Revenue Podcast. Sarah, thank you so much for taking time and welcome to the show. Thank you, Chad. All right. So we always like to ask one question in the beginning so our audience gets a sense for you as a human being, other than this professional persona we're all putting on. So always love to know something you're passionate about that those that might only know you through work might be surprised to learn about. Yeah. A a big passion for me is music. So I've been, uh, my degree was in theater. So I've always been really into, into performance since I was a kid. But when I was in university here in Vancouver, I met a couple of local musicians and started working with them, you know, writing songs and performing that kind of thing. It's something that I've kept up and have luckily been able to keep up throughout quarantine as I, you know, you can do a lot of it electronically and at home. So yeah, a big passion for me is writing music, singing, playing the piano and yeah, releasing those songs under a pseudonym. So (laughs) maybe why they, (laughs) people wouldn't know that about me. Uh And is, is there, is there a reason for the pseudonym? No, it's actually, um, it's just a stage name. So it's something that I adopted as an actor as well, but then just kind of hung on to it. I think it was just a a fun idea that I could choose my name for myself um, rather than going with my, my given name. So just a fun thing. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm very, very interested to know more about that. Um, Unfortunately, it's not a music podcast, but (laughs) that sounds like it might be just as exciting as talking about prospecting. So I know, you know, you're running the the SDR team there uh, at Predictable Revenue and everybody that I've ever talked to always wants more qualified leads at the top of the funnel. And so when it comes to that, when it comes to finding the data, the lists that we create, uh, gasoline of the engine, how are you guiding your teams to build those lists for maximum effectiveness? Yeah, great question. This is something that at Predictable Revenue, we've sort of experimented and experimented with and iterated upon as, as time has gone on. Once upon a time, we were relying solely on the big data providers. We, we had a kind of a, a list of the big big guys like ZoomInfo, Discover.org, those types of data providers, all the way down to some more boutique ones. And we would just pick and choose who we were sourcing that data from based on maybe the industry that we were prospecting into for our clients or the types of titles that we were looking for. But something that has come up for us in the past couple of years with the rise of LinkedIn is using Sales Navigator for building those lists. So we tried going the complete opposite and going just through Sales Navigator, but we find some of their some of the filtering to be a little bit kind of finicky. And you maybe pick a certain type of title, a certain level uh, of leadership, and you end up with like an intern or, or you know, <laughs> a, a coach or something like that. So it wasn't working perfectly, but it does have a lot more up-to-date data in a lot of other areas because people are updating their data themselves with their profile. So something we found that's worked really well is actually a hybrid approach between ZoomInfo and 
Sales Navigator. So what that looks like is building out the list of perfect fit companies in Zoom Info, taking the list of those companies, putting it in Excel or G Sheets and making a Boolean list separated by the word or, and then popping that into the company fields in your Sales Navigator lead build search. So you can do all of the kind of, yeah, you can do all of the title narrowing and the keyword searching within Sales Navigator, but you're taking that true fit list of companies from Zoom Info, and then you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. So, and something we also find in Sales Navigator that it's great to take advantage of is that keyword because you can say exclude certain keywords. So as I mentioned, you go for C-suite executives, you end up with a coach, you can say exclude coach if you see that kind of thing <laughs> popping up. So definitely the hybrid approach and really, really making use of the, the open text boxes that are all over that Sales Navigator search. And when, when you're doing that, are you allowing the individual SDRs to do that? Or is that something that you have somebody dedicated to doing, to providing them for lists? Yeah. So we, when we're prospecting on behalf of our clients, we have what we call a pod of people that work for them. So that pod includes an account strategist whose job is to kind of nail down that ICP and come up with the overarching strategy and the targeting, the key targeting criteria. And then our sales research team would be the ones actually going out and building that list. Sometimes the account strategists would be building them as well. So yeah, luckily we do have people that are, are dedicated to doing that for us because yeah, absolutely. It's a time consuming thing for SDRs to do. But when I was prospecting on behalf of predictable revenue, I did do quite a bit of list building for myself. And, you know, once you know which keywords open fields to, to fill in and kind of know what you're looking for, as far as the idiosyncrasies of sales navigator, it gets quicker and quicker every time. <laughs> it's just like anything else. The more you do it, the better you get. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we get this list. We've got this list. It's ideally, you know, as targeted as, as we're going to be able to get it. I mean, there's always some fluff that has tendency to creep in, but then you have to personalize. And if you're doing personalization at the individual level, I've seen SDR teams get lost. They just, they start to go down this rabbit hole of research on an individual and the ROI of time usage can sometimes be uh, not as optimal as we'd ideally yeah. like it. So when you were working with your team and setting out a personalization strategy or process, how are you doing it and what's it look like? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely can be a really, really tough thing, especially if the, the company or the prospect that you're targeting doesn't have a very kind of active LinkedIn profile or a very big digital footprint, which is certainly the case for a lot of traditional industries. Something that you can do actually right when you're building that list in Sales Navigator is filter your leads list or prospects list by those who have been active in the past 30 days on LinkedIn. That doesn't mean that everything that they post on LinkedIn is going to be super relevant and easy for you to use, but it's certainly better than ending up, you know, visiting a profile where nobody's posted anything in the past five years. They used it to find a job five years ago, and then they've never touched LinkedIn since. So that's a great way to filter by those who are active already on LinkedIn, which means you're more likely to end up finding something useful in their profile to use for personalization, but definitely knowing what you're looking for in terms of personalization can cut down on that time a lot. So somebody that I learned this from is Beck Holland of Chorus. So she has a kind of method for finding the best personalization tactics. And it's by putting things into buckets, the top two buckets are going to be your top two priorities. The first bucket is self-authored content. And the second bucket is engaged content. So 
self-authored content would be something like an article that somebody's written or a post they wrote or a webinar that they shared on a certain subject. And then engaged content would be like a comment on somebody else's post, something like that. So that stuff, looking for that, that's like gold. And being able to focus your search through somebody's LinkedIn to, to really relevant stuff that either they've authored or that they've engaged with is, is great sometimes it doesn't exist. And then you just need to know when to draw the line at like five minutes and just go for a, a personalized to the persona in general, because that's the best you can do. Yeah. So if that stuff's not there, then we're, we're back to, you know, personalizing on the role, maybe the industry yeah. that they're in having some type of relevant information or content that's going to be hopefully, hopefully trip that individual's curiosity circuit and get them engaged. And so I've got my list and I've, I've pared it down. I've got the ones that I have that engaged content or published content with. And then I got this other bucket, this other bucket of ones that are more of the role and industry type things. Mm-hmm. You said something very important that I want to hit on. And that's that five minute rule. I see people get lost. They get lost watching cat videos or, or dog <laughs> videos or whatever they're into instead of staying completely focused on the task at hand. So I'm curious, and I know I'm going off script here a little bit, <laughs> but I'm curious how you help the team manage that time and stay in the in that focused mindset to drive the highest levels of efficiency and effectiveness. Yeah, a great way to do it is to actually create a manual task within your sales enablement tool. We use outreach. So I'll, I'll use that as my example, but to create a task within your sequence that is meant for research. So this could be at the very beginning when that prospect first enters the sequence, you can do that five minutes of research jot down notes, whether they're on the account level or on the prospect level in your outreach instance, and then they stay with that prospect as they move through the sequence. So when you're writing them an email, you can pull from that. When you're calling them, you can pull from that. So a great way to manage that time is to just have it be a task because then they'll have, you know, if they're doing around hundred tasks a day, usually we're looking at about a a 25% split each over research, email, phone, and LinkedIn. So if you've got, you know, 25 out of a hundred tasks to do that are research tasks, you know, you can only spend five minutes on them each. Otherwise you won't have the time to go through the rest of your tasks that are due that day. So I find giving it a bit of that structure is really, really helpful looking at it as just a task and you've got to get through that task. Yeah. Honestly, I think that would be the best way to, to really make sure that you're, you're spending your time efficiently with research. Other than that, another little quick way that might help you do it quicker is looking at it, um, as three by three research. I'm not sure who made this up. It's not someone at predictable revenue, but I can't think off the top of my head who it was, but look for three pieces to use for personalization. The first one being the most relevant and personalized to that individual. So to you, Chad specifically, it's still got to be relevant to what I'm going to help you with. It can't be like you love this football team or you went to this university but it's, it's personalized to you personally. The second one down can be personalized to the role. And the third one down can be personalized to your company as a whole. And just looking for three great things like that and not looking any further, that can really help narrow down that time as well. And that becomes part of the kind of the foundation for the scalability of it, right? Because then, then if I'm managing the time and I know exactly, I have the framework for what I need to find, if I can stay focused on that, (laughs) which can be a challenge, (laughs) but if I can stay focused on that, then I have the ability to, to really keep the engine running. So I'm not at any given time sitting idle, so to speak in my prospecting efforts. Is that fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. And another key piece in this scalability conversation around personalization is, in my opinion, templates. 
So to build out that template that's 80% or 70% scripted, specific and very relevant to that persona in that industry and kind of as, as tightly as you can segment, yeah, as, as small as you can make that group so that that scripted stuff is really, really as personalized as it can be, as relevant as it can be. And then just leaving that space for that one or two lines of personalization is the best way to go about it rather than having to craft a, a completely personalized manual email every single time you send an email. Right. <laughs> Which has diminishing returns yeah. over time. Okay. And so when it comes to outbound prospecting, there's, there's many channels that people can use Now, granted there used to be networking events, but <laughs> yeah. we haven't uh, had a lot of those lately, <laughs> but you know, you've got email, you got phone, you got social, let's pretend we're, we're past all of this and we get back to a point where maybe there's some type of events or maybe even in virtual events, forums on LinkedIn, things of that nature. And I heard you talk about 25%, kind of a 25% split between phone, email, social and, and research. Are you helping the teams or do you find it necessary for the teams to change the type or tone of personalization based on the medium or the platform through which they're going? So different on say LinkedIn, than different in an email, than different than maybe I would approach somebody in a phone call. Yeah, absolutely. I think LinkedIn especially is the most has the most stark difference from the other two channels because it really is a social platform. It's it's a social platform for business, but it's it's a social platform. So more of the kind of conversational or networking rules apply there. You're not going to go in with the you know short and sweet go for the meeting in the first email you got to open up a conversation. People are not interested in receiving a connection request that asks them for their time. And that's why social selling has become so popular over the last couple of years. So really becoming a kind of thought leader and trusted advisor or partner to your, to your prospects or to your target market by sharing valuable content for free. That doesn't ask for them to, you know, click through anything or ask them to, to pay for anything to receive value. And yeah, positioning yourself as this partner before making an ask of your prospects. That's one way that LinkedIn is, is really different from, you know, email. You can't, you're not going to send over an email to someone and just be like, Hey Chad, how's it going? <laughs> you're doing well. They'll be like, who are you? Why are you, why are you emailing me? Um, so yeah, definitely different rules apply to LinkedIn. It's much more conversational, much more casual. And you've got to give before you ask. That's something Cynthia Barnes always says. And they, she is with NAWSP and she grew her whole business from zero to 15,000 subscribers solely over LinkedIn. So absolutely the queen of LinkedIn and, and somebody you should look into for the social selling tips and tricks. And then email much more, you can be much more direct, but it's still got to be really short and sweet. People people don't have time to read a big email or if they open the email and see it's long, they're not going to bother. You've got to get out that pain in like the first sentence. Cause that's, what's going to hook them in and then position yourself as a solution to the pain without diving into the features and, and what you're, how exactly you're going to do that. Cause they don't need a list of, you know, your product features. And then you can go for that ask. And it may be a hard ask, like, you know, let me unpack this. How's your day looking this day? Or it could be something softer, like, would it be a terrible idea to chat about this further? But definitely short and sweet to the point, really pain focused is what works best for us on email. And then the phone, honestly, the phone is the most difficult. There's like the most, you've got to be absolutely on your toes. You never know what that person on the other end of the line is going to say. So with the phone, we just think about it as 
stepping stones and your first stepping stone is getting them to answer the first question and not just hang up on you. And when you've got that question answered, you're just going for that, for that second question answered. There's no, you can't come into the phone with the end goal of booking that meeting because you have no idea what's going to happen in between them answering the phone and you being able to do that. So just being super curious, asking really relevant questions, digging for that pain is all you can do. And once you finally have them saying like, okay, yeah, that is a pain, then you can go for the ask. So there definitely are different, totally different tactics and, and different tone that you have to use on each of these channels. And that's an awareness of, of communication style that becomes critical. But I want to, I want to go back to something you said on the LinkedIn, the content piece of it. Do you work with your SDRs? Like there's a concept of you know, that personal branding, right? That, that establishing oneself as a recognized where I shouldn't say recognized, let's say trusted, trusted provider of content and information. And, and in most cases, I'm not saying all, but in many cases, SDRs are, are earlier stages in their career mm-hmm. and maybe don't have a voice developed or don't have just don't, don't know exactly how to go about that. Is that something that you prioritize with your SDR team? Yeah, it's something that actually I'm hoping to work on even more. I mentioned Cynthia Barnes when I was chatting about these social selling tips and tricks. And one of the things she taught me is about LinkedIn profile optimization. So having your LinkedIn profile read, not like a resume, but like more of a case study for your business um, and appeal to your target market so that if they were, for instance, like Google searching somebody who does what you do, say they're in the market for B2B sales training, you want when they Google search that for your LinkedIn profile to pop up as one of the, the search engine results. And because LinkedIn used to be this platform for recruiters and job seekers, we all often fall into that trap of just leaving it as like uh, your resume. Absolutely. I was guilty of that literally until Cynthia and I did this webinar and I was like, Oh geez, I'm such a bad example. Like I I have my, I had made this, I'd made this LinkedIn account in high school and had like a cafe job on there from when I was 16. So definitely not business development optimized, but that's one of the ways that I think the SDRs brand can be tied into the company's goals and the company's brand and how they impact a specific persona and solve a certain pain without that SDR necessarily having to like create original content. Cause absolutely first time SDRs aren't necessarily going to know how to create that really compelling content. That's going to move their prospects through the funnel. But I think it's a really great place to start. And then just engaging with their prospects on LinkedIn is great. You know, commenting on on posts, commenting something relevant, something useful, something that they've learned that might impact their customer. And then you definitely can just repurpose the content that your marketing team is creating. I think it's a a great way to learn the kind of words that your prospects are using or, or how your company goes about positioning what they do. And maybe after repurposing a bunch of that content for, you know, a couple of months, you'll get the sense of how maybe you could write something on your own. So yeah, great place to start is optimizing that, that LinkedIn profile to be a business development profile. And then secondly, taking a look at all of the the content that your company creates, your marketing team creates, and then engaging with your, your prospects content. I love it. I love it. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions at the end of each interview. First is simply as a revenue exec, that makes you a target, sorry, prospect for a lot of people out there that are trying to get in front of you to, you know, sell you things. Uh, and so always curious if somebody doesn't have that trusted referral, right? It's somebody, you know, that you trust to say, you should talk to this person. Yeah. And that doesn't exist. And this also can apply for your SDRs. Like what works for you when somebody has to capture your attention and build the credibility to earn some time on your calendar? 
Yeah. I think personalization, I'm always going to love personalization because I'm a real advocate for it in my own prospecting. So if I can see that it's just automated, it's not going to work for me. (laughs) Um, but so yeah, personalization and really that, that relevant something. So something about something they found, found me post about on LinkedIn would be perfect. That's going to be the thing that kind of makes me read past the first couple of lines. And then from there, the curiosity and the idea that they're looking to see if I have this pain and not assuming that I do, but if I'm, you know, willing to answer or, or, or whatever, however they frame it up, we could see if there's a fit and then maybe continue the conversation from there. So showing that they've really done the work to see where I work, how I work, what types of issues I might be facing, and then saying, you know, we, we could be a solution to that, but maybe not. So is it worth having a quick conversation to find out? I, I really like that type of approach because there's nothing worse for me. And it happened even when I was an SDR, when somebody would prospect me and try to sell me like a sales tool of some kind. And I'd be like, dude, you obviously have no idea who I am or what I do. Cause you'd know that an SDR has exactly zero influence on budget and for sure can't buy anything for the team. Right. Um, yeah. So those are, those are some tactics that work for me. Perfect. All right. So last question, call it our acceleration insight. So somebody calls you and they say, Hey, I just want one piece of advice, right? Just lay it on me. What's the one thing you would tell me if I was, if you believed it was going to help me bust through my targets and, and get past my goals, what would that piece of advice be and why? That piece of advice for me is make it your own. Something that I struggled with when I very first started as an SDR was taking all this guidance that I was being given by my managers, by my peers, from thought leaders on LinkedIn, and then just trying to apply it myself and not seeing the same results. So when I realized that I could, if I could take in everything from everywhere and kind of internalize it a little bit and then come up with a a solution of my own or a strategy of my own that pulled from each of these different strategies that I'd learned it was, it worked so much better. And that's what happened with that Beck Holland strategy. I learned from her about how she does her personalization. And then I looked at doing it kind of in a, in a slightly different way. And it worked absolute wonders for me. And so it was when I kind of knew the rules and then could break them a little bit. So when I could really, <laughs> yeah, to just, just make it my own that made absolutely a world of difference. Love it. All right. Sarah, if a listener is interested in talking to you more, learning more about this, where do you want us to send them? The website, LinkedIn, what, what works best for you? Yeah. LinkedIn is a great way to, to chat with me about any of this stuff. Um, it is, of course, these are the types of things that we help companies with. So if when you heard me say pods, that sounds interesting and you don't want to build your own internal SDR team and would rather have us build a pod for you, then yeah, for sure. Have a look at the website and fill in the form there or reach out to me and I can connect you with someone. Awesome. I can't thank you enough for taking time, Sarah. It's been great having you on the show today. Yeah. Thank you, Chad. So much fun. All right, everybody. That does it for this episode. You know the drill. Uh, B2BRevExec.com. Share the episode with friends, family, coworkers. I'm going to say it one more time. Let the kids listen to it so they're not staring at screens. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.